mean, what just happened out there on Sunday? Well, I guess first things first, I would like to ask everyone to give a moment of silence for everybody we lost on the weekend. Um, whether it was your whole team or even just a skid, no one deserves to get hurt out on that gridiron, so... Just please one moment of your time. Thank you. Obviously, so many people dropped on Sunday. It was ridiculous. Every five minutes you were looking at your phone and there was a notification of somebody dying. There were so many people. I mean, like you have... The Giants lost Saquon and Sterling Shepard. I mean, the Niners got hit hard. They lost, I mean, on the defensive side, they obviously lost Bosa, and I think Solomon Thomas is out for the year, too. But uh, they lost Raheem Mostert, and uh, Jimmy G got banged up with a high ankle sprain. Drew Locke got hurt. Cortland Sutton tore up his knee. Even Judy got banged up at one point. I was about to fucking quit at that point. Paris Campbell got hurt. Cam Akers picked up an injury. Like, there were... I'm missing so many, too. But there were a lot of injuries on Sunday, last Sunday. And some people got lucky. Some people, not so much. And obviously, no names need to be dropped in that case. But there's a lot of time left in the season. It is week two. I'm a firm believer. I don't care if you lost, you know, like me, Saquon Barkley. I don't care. It is week two. We have seen crazy shit happen in fantasy football. Not really worried to an extent where I'm going to blow everything up and say season's over. It is week two. And that goes for anybody. You are hit with some injuries. It's a little tough. It is week two. You don't want to fall too behind? But you've played two games, so it's like... You have time to right the ship. There are a lot of time to make trades. There are a lot of chances to win waiver wire. We've seen stupid shit happen. So you know what? Nobody is done yet. Although there are definitely some people who uh, have some work to put into their team, which we will get into in the rankings. There is, um, you know, without a doubt going to be some big changes in the power rankings with some injuries but first things first i am going to get into my predictions for next week's game well on last week's episode i went three and three on my predictions um which is actually one less than i usually do i was expecting to go four and two again However, I have my predictions in for this week, so I guess we'll get into it. <clears throat> First, we have a bunch of piss cats versus Brucetown B-Dog. Do I need to go over this one? No. Ben wins. Next, we have the injured reserve, no glove. No glove. We got Brody. We got Truns. I think this is actually a pretty damn good matchup all the way down. Um, whether Truns sticks out with Troob or not, we'll see. But 
Other than that, I think also you have to wonder about Kittle's availability going forward. I think he practiced limited today, so you could probably see him out there. If not, he'd probably have to call on, I don't know, did Jordan Reed have a, yeah, Jordan Reed actually did a good game. What about Ebron? He has his options. However, this is going to be a damn close game, but I'm going to lean just for the sole fact you got to give me Lamar on a Monday night. Or Mahomes. I'm just really excited for that game because they both always give us a clash. Also, I think this does have to, you have to, um, sorry, you have to keep an eye out on this Cam Akers situation. I know J.K. Dobbins and Daryl Henderson are both there as um, the next options for Brody. And both are potentially good plays. I mean, Dobbins, you obviously have to be a little weary of just because you know he had three touches last week i do think he's gonna get more it's just something to keep an eye on whereas henderson should get a bulk of the work if acres is gone so you'll have him there and i really don't know if we can expect to see malcolm brown play on sunday as the man's pinky was pretty much just fucking hanging by a thread and he just had surgery to repair it yeah a lot of nfl players are nail guns but i don't know how he could potentially go and fucking carry a football like jason pierre paul i mean i guess Jason Pierre-Paul lost, what, two fingers, not one? No, and Brown didn't even lose his pinky. So you know what? I'm just getting off track. Anyway, I'm going to give this one to Brody. And you know how big I am on the man, James Robinson. So no disrespect to Truns, though. His team's looking great. And talk about this Cam Newton pick. Like, geez. I'm not even just happy for Truns. I'm really happy for Cam Newton. And just watching his one interview, Cam Newton's talking about he just doesn't play for the money anymore. He's already made a lot of money. And, I mean, listen, I'm not saying Cam is going to be. This has been two weeks of Cam Newton. We see how he's going to use, be used, whether he can, you know, last the whole season of this usage. We'll see. Not important for me. I'm just really happy for Cam. And if you have a quarterback with that mindset, I've already, he's making vet men. And he's saying that. I mean, that's why people love Cam, right? You got to be happy for the guy. And I've always told Truns that that's a nice... I mean, he ran in there with a little cheeky grin. And he never knew what he was up to. And he came out with Supercam and it's worked out for him. But no disrespect to him. I'm going to lean Brody on this one. I also like any Buccaneers receiver against the banged up Denver um, defense. However, Fangio's actually been kind of keeping Denver in some games here. Said Fangio. Fangio's actually fucking keeping Denver in some games. And the way him and Ed Donatel, defensive coordinator, have been scheming up is, uh, it's kind of um, impressive almost because it's not a knock against the Titans. They still put up good numbers offensively. They just kind of missed a lot of field goals. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure the Steelers, I think, had some, might have missed one or got one block or something. I don't even know. But I stopped watching that game for obvious reasons. There was a part of me that thought, there's no need for Von Miller at first. Obviously, there is a need for Von Miller because his defense as a whole going forward from a fantasy perspective, pretty much unplayable with the way they're banged up. Um, Chase Claypool <laughs> absolutely burned Broncos third, cor- third round pick Michael Ojemudia uh, at Iowa. Chase Claypool is going forward as a fucking really nice play- pick. Not a pick, but a weekly play, I could put Chase Claypool in there just because of his big... (coughs) I can't talk. Wow. Just because of his big playability. And I think I'm getting really sidetracked here. But just to get onto the point of the Denver defense, I really like the Chris Godwin play. (laughs) That took me a lot to get to there. But 
I do like Chris Godwin, and I do think, despite Denver owning Tom Brady, that might have just been New England. This is an entire new offense. I just don't think we've seen Brady been able to work with. I still think you can see they're working out kinks in the offense, and as time will progress, they, just as I do think New Orleans, haven't gotten into that, but I'm truly not worried about Drew Brees or whatever yet. So I think if I'm Trent's, Brady's the play over Trubisky, but it's your gut, and you go with who you want, right? So, I'm going to move on to the next one here. I picked Brody on that. Next, we have Air 404, Team Not Found, and Fresh Prince of Hilaire. Like, I can tell you one thing. When I get trade offers in the middle of it, I'm really not hoping to see Terry McLaren go to Neller for, you know, Miles Gaskin. And uh, Christian Kirk. Sorry, Neller. I don't know if you're even going to listen to this. Probably not. But if you do, no disrespect. I'm just going to have to hit this red button that says decline trade. There we go. Anyway, we're going to move on to the next one. I have Richards, Air Force Forward, Team Not Found. They've kind of been found. And Fresh Prince of Hilaire, which is for Leno. I don't want to get too in-depth. I think for Leno's team is kind of banged up a bit. Losing Locke and Sutton. Not ideal. Um, however, do not hate the Johnny Smith play at all. I've said, I remember I had a conversation with him early in the season. We were negotiating a deal in which Johnny Smith was going to be coming my way. I told him, whatever, hold on to Johnny Smith. He's somewhat of a sleeper. And it's, this was right after the draft. I said, a lot of people just like to, you know, not pick up defensive players till after the draft. Till like, you know, like week one's about to start. Then you fill out your roster. Hold on to John New, see what up. There you go. I like John New Smith as a flex. I don't even care if he's a tight end. I am a person. If you have two good tight ends, guys who can get you points, just because they're a tight end, don't be afraid to play them. Which is why, well, injuries alone. I do have Dallas Goddard and Noah Fant starting. Pretty dust. But I do like John U. Smith. However, Jared Cook is somebody I'm not completely sold on. So maybe just start John. I mean, I know he is kind of limited with options right now. Depends about James White, I guess, if he plays. Whatever you see that situation looking like. I would replace. I don't know. I've just never been high on Jared Cook. Maybe I'm a little too hard on the guy. I mean, he is a fucking cook, dude. I'm going to give this one to Richards. I think Ferlano's team is still just a little bit banged up. I'm not unsure about the James White situation or whatnot. So, yeah, I'm going to give this one to Richards. Next, we got uh, Kalarke, the Kamesh, and Charkweek Moose. First of all, there are two undefeated teams in fantasy. I don't know if anyone knows, but it hasn't been mentioned, but you know it's only two weeks. But Moose and Ben are the only two undefeated teams left. Congratulations, Joe and Ben. I think we know who's more likely to be the last undefeated. And it's definitely Joe. Nah. It is not you, Joe. I'm sorry. But I do have you winning this week against Clark. So you know what? I know you're probably the only weekly listener we have on this show. So congratulations, Joe Caruso. You are the winner of this week by my prediction, which probably shouldn't mean shit to you, considering how my team looks. But... The reason I have Joe Caruso winning over Brandon Clark this week is uh, mainly just because I still think we got to see Frank the Tank Gore come into his true form. Like, here's what, this is sort of amazing. I'll be honest. 
Frank Gore had 21 carries on that MetLife turf, which then, you know, according to Nicholas Trunzo, burger he's saying in the fucking turf isn't like bad at all because, you know, it's not like Zach Banner, old lineman on the Steelers, tore his ACL on it in week one or anything too, right? Or whatever he tore. He said that was his, said that's the old lineman's fault. He's fat. <laughs> okay. Something like that, he said. But he also said Jeremy Lin was his favorite basketball player. Now he denies it. So I know he'll probably deny that too. But, see how off track I get? Frank Gore. Playing on the like, this guy's indestructible, man. And I'm sorry. Frank Gore is not a great running back option. But the guy is solid. And I will always stand by it as a solid RB3. But, <coughs> mainly, the Mike Evans play is nice too. I kind of just like Moose's matchups better. If I'm being honest, beside the Washington front seven, it's kind of looking scary. I'm not sure about how you see Kareem Hunt getting into it. But other than that, I think he has some uh, matchups that I like. However, I'm still not completely sold on the Justin Jefferson play. But I mean, I just saw Chase Claypool really show what he's capable of with a limited amount of touches. In both weeks, really, he's made big plays. So I guess got to keep an eye on that. But I'm going to have Moose staying undefeated this week. You know what? Just because it is going to be a close match, I think. I kind of lean a little bit way in his matchups if I had to pick. Plus, like, Mahomes in Baltimore. I'm not saying, you know, Mahomes and Lamar are obviously going to be good every week. And Mahomes actually didn't have as, you know, big of an impact in week one as you would have expected. You would have expected him to come out and just, you know, sling it. Didn't really happen. Next week, he comes out and does that, right? So that's kind of like... And I'm not even dissing Aaron Rodgers because he, you know, has been playing pretty good as well. But I don't know. Very close matchup. I'm going to give it to Moose. Don't really like picking against, you know, two teams that could easily beat each other. But whatever. Next, we have the Dogfuckers, a.k.a. COVID is fake. No, I'm kidding. I would never diss somebody's beliefs on the show. <laughs> and we have Neller. And I mean, not even a diss at Sandy's team. I'm not going to get too in-depth into this one for the sole fact <laughs> The team that he's playing, yeah, that is a, that's a fantasy football team for the fucking ages right there. I don't think I'll have many people beating Naller in this per- unless he gets hit with injuries until then. I just don't think it's going to happen. So, yeah, I have Naller winning this one. The next matchup, I have Legro and Knack. It's going to be, honestly, a better matchup than I think... I mean, projection-wise, it has not winning, not by a lot, but still by a decent amount. And, I mean, I do think Knack is going to win this one, but this is, for me, the sole fact that, I mean, David Johnson, Zach Moss, and Mike Davis. Don't get me wrong, Mikey Davis can play the game of football, but if he can play it, sorry, if he can play it to the level of Christian McCaffrey, not really sure. That remains to be seen. However, I do like that he picked up Jerry Judy, I mean... Jerry Judy's my man. I traded a lot for him at the draft, and uh, it's just I'm not going to talk about that too much. It's a little upsetting because I got Malcolm Brown and Devonta Freeman for that. Anyways, I got Knack winning. Uh, I just can't believe I brought that Judy shit up, man. Okay, moving on. Well, 
we come across the power rankings. And obviously after last week's disastrous um, <laughs> casualties left and right, I guess you could say there were some... It was kind of a difficult power rankings because, I mean, to me, I think I do take record into account, sort of injuries into account. It's kind of a mix of everything. But on top of all, just, you know, I'm looking at the teams and I'm just like, who I would prefer having that team. Anyway, I do take record into account and such. But my girlfriend just scared the living piss diggity do out of me walking in that door. It's all good. Welcome to power rankings. Happy to be here. Take a seat, front row. Um, yeah, you guys can tell I'm a virgin, right? <laughs> anyway, starting at number 12, we have me. And I mean, I don't really have to get too into it because uh, for the soul fat. Oh, hello, John. Look at this. Everyone's coming in for the power rankings, eh? I know, it's pretty exciting stuff here. I already gave away number 12, Josh, it's me. And that's because my whole fucking team went down week one. Or week two. Oh, he's tired. Me too, I'm tired of this fucking shit. Yeah, I don't have to get into depth on why I'm number 12, right? Number 11, we have Ferlano, who's also kind of got hit with injuries. Locke is out for a few weeks, Sutton tore up the whole knee. And unfortunately, James White obviously had the tragedy with his parents. I don't know if he's going to play this week or not. It still says questionable on the app, so I guess we'll go with that. However, at number 10, we have Clark. And until we really see more consistency from, you know... Well, not consistency, because you're going to get that with Frank Gore. But I think you kind of have to see that with the receiving core above all else. And, I mean... I'm not going to say that all the teams that are 1-1 one and one are extremely close, but it's still relatively, like, not like, you know. Obviously, I dropped from friggin' whatever it was last week, 7-12, to 12 because my whole team is dead. Everyone else is, you know, still have maybe some injuries, but I don't know if anyone has them to the extent I do, so it's still kind of close, relatively. But I do have Clark at 10, which is the same as he was last week. At 9, moving up from 11 last week, we have Legro. And, I mean, despite him losing McCaffrey to that high ankle sprain, he went on IR today. I still think that overall his team looks better. He mean, he just traded two running backs that he really didn't need for, you know, two wide receivers who are playing pretty well right now. Two guys that can be flexes. I have him at nine. At eight, I have Rich. Um, I do think Rich's team is actually a little better than eight. I think he actually did a pretty good job at turning it around from the beginning of the season after that Disaster. Who was the one guy he took over a quarterback? I was in shock. I was like, there's no business over that. I don't know. I can't remember now. But anyway, he did a pretty good job at turning it around. So good on him. I have him at eight. I think he could even be higher with a win this week, which I have him picking up over for Lano. So then next we have seven, which is Sandy, who was taking a drop down from six last week. Um, His team... Still looks damn good, though. And Jonathan Taylor looks just as good as advertised. And that is why my heart broke when I heard Sandy over FaceTime say that he wanted to uh, take Jonathan Taylor. I like Sandy's overall layout of his team. I think going forward, he should be a lock for the playoffs. I mean, if he doesn't blow it all up and trade everything away or doesn't get hit with injuries, as his team is right now, I think it's pretty solid. 
at six dropping from three is knack and i mean it's not really that his team is shit and it's not that i spent you know 45 minutes arguing with him every day this week over his pointless shit it is the fact that the matter mustard is hurt right now i don't really know which way the Niners backfield is entirely going to go but even if they wanted to go in a direction with Tevin Coleman they couldn't because not only is he piss diggity do he is also hurt so I mean I do like Josh Kelly and Eckler they are both putting up points as of right now so you can't and we only saw one game out of Tyrod one game out of Herbert and they both look good regardless so it's not really that big of a deal I think on top of all uh, you know what's crazy is Neller traded josh kelly can we imagine if neller didn't trade josh kelly for like piss <laughs> like that's not okay but anyways yeah i have knack at six and i mean obviously he got a big out last week but it was to Ben, so it's not that bad because i'm about to get it worse this week at number five dropping down from four because of a loss we have truns and truns team and obviously the way he is really balanced and he actually has a decent like not like incredible depth but, I mean, what's really important is he has quarterback depth. And that can become a pretty valuable trade asset going forward. So, we'll see how that works out for him, whether he keeps on to them or not. Dropping from number two after a loss to Clark. Despite it being a close one, we have Brody. And it's, once again, yes, mother, are you interrupting my podcast again? You want a sloppy Joe? Do I want a sloppy Joe? Joe it's Carew? A- sloppy Joe, Joe Carew? Yeah. Yeah, I would love a sloppy. Do you want one sausage in a bun with the? Yes, please. Thank okay. you. And yeah, this is awesome. A sloppy Joe Carew coming right up. I already took a dig at Joe today with that picture of the boardwalk, so I should just stop saying sloppy Joe. <laughs> I'm kidding. Speaking of sloppy Joe, we have him at number three, and. Don't get me wrong, this isn't a, this is, this is going to sound stupid, but obviously I think Brody has a better team on paper, but Moose is one of only two teams that is undefeated, and I don't even have him in the top two. So I kind of felt a little bad not leaving him in the, out of the top three. But however, on paper, I think that his team's a little weaker than Brody's, but they're still, you know, it all depends, I think, what Kareem Hunt you get every week. And Tariq Cohen, I'm still not sold on. He'll probably have to upgrade that position eventually, but other than that, it's not terrible. Um, at number two, we have Neil. And Neil is one and one. He lost to Ben in week one. Um, it was a obviously damn good game for Neller having a couple injuries. And now his team just keeps continuing to become stronger. I don't know how you can bring down one of these two at the top as of right now. It is their league, one of their leagues to lose. And that leaves us with number one. And we have Benny Bruce. And that is my power rankings. It was a disaster from top to bottom, but we made it through. And I'm going to move on to, well, shit. All right, so now we're going to get into, well, shit. And three players I think I'm going to do well this week, and you know the rest. So I'm going to start off with um, someone who's going to do well. And I mean, after witnessing him... He had the second most pass attempts in a game. I did my research in rookie history because I thought it was a pretty cool stat. And turns out, who's the guy? Chris, I don't even know the guy's name. Chris Wanky or Wanky or something. He was a rookie for the Panthers in 2005, and he threw 62 pass attempts as a rookie. I think Burroughs was 61, right? And 
he actually only threw for like 230 yards, which is, I mean, yeah, you're a rookie, so I won't call it pathetic, but I mean, it's kind of rough. But yeah, Burrow looked good, and I think Burrow's going to keep looking good. He has it, and it's, to me, it's not his accuracy. It's not, it never was his arm, his throw power. Um, to me, obviously, he does have leadership qualities, which is not really fantasy football related overall. I mean, yeah, you want to make sure the guy's not a loser like Jake Cutler and he's going to get benched, so you have to drop him, but that's kind of irrelevant. Joe Burrow's awareness in the pocket is... He looks like a veteran out there. He looks like Austin Matthews dangling all the vets on his first game, as Belkey would say. I'm telling you right now that Joe Burrow should be a fantasy contributor the whole way through. Not just because he knows how to move. He can keep plays alive. And that's not something you see a lot of rookies do. Because, uh, in all honesty, honestly, <laughs> a lot of rookies are just told to throw that ball away immediately after you get the pocket, out of the pocket. Clearly, Zach Taylor has some sort of trust in Joe Burrow, as he should. That Joe Burrow can extend plays and make stuff happen, which he does. I like Joe Burrow this week against Philly's defense. I think Philly has some holes at their linebacker position. Um, not necessarily that could affect greatly Burrow, because I think Slay has honestly played good, but Maddox obviously hasn't looked terrific so far. Um, I think you can definitely expect, even if Philly can like get a bit of a lead, it's just like, I see that Burrow is going to be like actually throwing the ball. So it's like, he could definitely be a fantasy football contributor the whole way through, not just this week. But I like Joe Burrow this week. And at number one, I have CeeDee Lamb. And I think my reasoning behind this is just because Seattle's secondary, I mean, obviously they're ranked dead last and 32nd, and they have the names, so it's a little confusing. They have a like, solid secondary, and they added Jamal Adams and whatnot. But every time it seems you get... Um, somebody who's lining up in slot, I find they are able to make a lot more separation in Seattle. I mean, you've seen them give up some third downs that way to slot receivers. I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty sure Edelman had what? He had over like 130 yards or something. 100, I don't know. I should probably look it up. But he had a good game. I'm not sure how much of that came from the slot. I wasn't entirely watching. I would assume quite a bit. <laughs> but also, I think the fact that C.D. Lamb looks really good. And I not am not a hundred percent ready to say he is the guy to own over Gallup. I'm starting to slowly lean that way. I need to see more. It's only two weeks, but boy, does he ever look good, and boy, is he ever getting targets. Seattle secondary isn't obviously performing up to par as of right now. Their defense as a whole isn't. I am going to say I like CD Lamb this week, but if it comes to shit, I'm going to think that. Not come down to earth. I still think he's a good quarterback. But Josh Allen, I don't think, is going to have the fantasy performance you saw out of him the first two weeks. I mean, I'm not saying that you're not going to get a good 35 to 40 points out of him. Easily could happen. But I don't think he's going to be blown up for 70 or 55 or whatever he had, right? I think the Rams' defense is obviously... Not perfect in there, but they do have, I think, a lot more playmakers than um, Miami's defense. Well, don't get me wrong, Miami played a good game. And I mean, despite Josh Allen's fantasy points, it doesn't really discredit the fact that 
I think a lot of people thought Miami were going to be worse than what we've seen, you know, first two weeks. And we haven't even seen Tua on the field yet. I'm not saying Tua's going to go out there and be better than Fitz, but I mean, he easily could. So it's like, I don't really know what to expect with Miami going forward. So, but they didn't obviously look amazing, but they didn't look as bad as I near thought. So, but this is the Rams he's playing. I mean, they have Aaron Donald, who was just throwing men around for a living. Jalen Ramsey is an amazing corner. Um, and I think just the way that defense is schemed top to bottom is, uh, you know, kind of not going to maybe cause problems for Josh Allen, but more so the fact it's not the defense. I think it's not a defensive team that they've seen the first two weeks. I'm not saying he's going to be piss diggity do. I think temper expectations for Josh Allen in week three against the Rams. Um, at number two, I have DJ Moore against the Chargers. And... Um, this isn't necessarily because DJ Moore. I mean, I saw a thing that said, um, is it too early? This was after week one, obviously. But is it too early to think that DJ Moore is, and I'm trying to remember, they compared him to a running back of last year who was just really, really... Oh, and now, look, why can't I remember the guy? Oh, I don't know. But they compared him to a running back who wasn't as good. He had a rough season last season. And to me, I'm thinking, no, because DJ Moore is obviously still going to make plays. He has to get on the same page as Teddy. You will not see until, I imagine, week five, six. Offenses should, you know, there should be no more excuses of, you know, we're not in the groove of things anymore. But I think you, you know, playing eight quarters of football, it's not, I don't think it's enough to say you're fully, you know, in the groove of things. And if you are, you just have a really damn good offense. <laughs> or, you know, everybody's just on the same page. And I think in some instances, you see in Carolina that they aren't. And I really think Chargers secondary is just really low to top to bottom. I think it could be a difficult matchup for any Panthers receiver this week. More so um, DJ Moore. I mean, you see him line up everywhere, really. But I think the Chargers have corners to play everywhere on the field, right? Um, They definitely have Desmond King and Casey Hayward on the outside. Bear with me because I haven't been really following their injury report. But I know that those are the guys they have. I don't know if they're playing or not. Um, but obviously Chris Harris as well. So it's like Derwin James is hurt. But they still have those three covered corners who, you know, can make life difficult on top of an already un- good pass rush. Herbert looked decent. He's able to keep that defense off of the field for a little bit, bit longer. How many times have I stuttered in this? This has been at least 73 stutters, I think. So we're going to keep moving forward. And the number one shit I have this week, my running back one, Leonard Fournette. And Leonard Fournette's stats were a bit inflated by a big run um, at the end of the fourth. Well, you know, I do think that Arians wasn't lying, though, because he came out and said this week, um, Ronald Jones is still the starter and still, I think, I generally believe him for this week. I think Fournette coming in at the end of last week, well, you know, he's both sides of the ball, offensively, defensively, pretty tired. And he came in on fresh legs and he just blew a giant run open. And I'm not saying he's going to do that every week, but if the Bucks are in a close game, definitely wouldn't hate them bringing Fournette in, you know, for the second half and giving him a bulk of carries in the second half. But, however, Denver's defense, as I've said before, you're, they're shaky. They're not really startable without Von Miller. But their run defense has been surprisingly better than advertised. I mean, yeah, when you have guys who are taking all these carries, 
and not getting hurt, they're bound to, you know, put up good numbers like Derrick Henry. And last week, James Conner broke out a big run at the end that kind of saved him. But Denver's run defense has been better than their pass defense as of right now. So I still think Fournette has ways to go to become the clear-cut one in the Bucks' backfield. Not really sold on him. And as usual, I do think Brady is the play over Trubisky for trends. However, Denver, they, they know. They know how to beat Tom. Don't worry about it. I'm not saying they're going to win because of Jeff Driscoll, you know, but they know how to beat Tom, boy. So I'm not saying don't play Tom Brady, but I'm just saying we know how that works, right? So those are my three wells. I'll give you Joe Burrow. I'm going to give you CeeDee Lamb and Mike Gusecki, who looked damn good. I don't even know if I gave Gusecki the first time around, did I? Too big for this shit. Anyways, I don't know if I did, but Gusecki is my other well because, well, he pretty much has been light. Like, he looks good. Got targets both weeks. Kind of converted more of his targets in week two. And uh, I would definitely say that going forward, he's... You have to start him at tight end every week if you have him. I would definitely consider him a tight end one just because of the way they use him, just because, you know, he's been hyped that way. And judging from his performance last week, he played pretty good. So I would not be ashamed to play him. So I don't know if I said, I really don't remember bringing up Mike Secchi. That's one of my other wells. So I gave it, and then the three shits were Josh Allen, DJ Moore, and Leonard Fournette. And, you know, my season isn't over yet. I ain't ready to call it quits, although I probably should. And although I traded three players I just drafted for Jerry Judy on the draft day and then immediately traded him for, well, why did I bring that up again? Fuck's sakes. 